the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode 325. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Alan Kaeg. Hey Alan, great to, uh, great to have you on the show for the very first time. Very happy to be on board. Well, um, I thought for our listeners' advantage, I probably should describe where we are. We're in, uh, in Manila in the Philippines, and hence why we're getting the chance to, uh, to, to hang out. So it's been an interesting few days here for, uh, for me. I've been at a conference in uh, Cebu, and I've just arrived in uh, Manila today, which has given me a good chance to, uh, to catch up with Alan. So thanks for hanging out. Maybe for uh, for our listeners as well, you could just fill them in where you fit into the world of of uh, tech and and so on here in the Philippines. I'm a huge geek when it comes to both consumer and business technology. Um, I follow it way too closely for my own good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and you're a, an entrepreneur working in the working with lots of technology, right? That's correct. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, well. Let's jump in. Um, for this episode, I thought what it would be good to do is there's a few local new, or you know, news stories of international note this week that I, th- I thought would be interesting to chat through. But I'm also keen to dive in with you and and, ch- and chat about some of the things that are happening from a tech perspective here in the Philippines and across Asia that I'd like to take advantage of. Since I'm since I'm visiting, I think that you know there's probably some insights that you can share. Uh, on technology that that would be of interest to uh, to listeners, but to start with a uh, few interesting stories, and the one that caught my eye a, f- a few minutes ago was a story of a woman being injured after her headphones exploded mid flight, and so she was on a flight from Beijing to Melbourne and wearing Bluetooth uh, headphones, I believe, uh, or certainly uh, headphones that were powered maybe uh, with uh, noise-cancelling capability and so on. This is, re- this is really interesting because we had the discussion when the Note 7 uh, ex- you know, exploding issues were happening, and, and I guess one of my bits of commentary in the media was around the fact, well, if this sort of thing can happen to Samsung, there is going to be an ongoing risk with buying products that have lithium batteries in them, right? And uh, and here we go, there's something else that's exploded. And uh, yeah, it so- sounded like a, um, a, a pretty hor- horrible scenario. It was about two hours into the flight. And uh, this particular woman was, uh, I think, having a, a sleep. Uh, and then was awoken by um, an exploding sound and uh, she ultimately found her headphones sparking and and catching fire and uh, basically ripped them off her her head and and threw them onto the uh, floor of the plane. Uh, But the photo that's been uh, been shared in the media shows her with a fairly blackened face, right? Oh, my... Just a, a horrible, horrible situation. I mean, that could have been could have been a whole lot worse, right? You've got something catching fire that's attached to your head, and in an airplane, not good, right? You don't really want a fire on an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I thought uh, so that that's uh, pretty curious. Something that's happened uh, happened in the in the region. 
do, do um, ha, have has there been a lot of media coverage around what happened with Samsung and the Note Seven and and you know battery related issues and and risks here in the Philippines? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can read about those Grand Theft Auto mods where the grenades that they're throwing are Galaxy S seven phones. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, I also just want to add how relevant this is today now that... So, the lady in this particular story was wearing a battery-operated headphone, probably either through for, for noise cancelling or for the purpose of Bluetooth, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're entering the Bluetooth generation now that Apple and other vendors are removing the headphone jack. That's a good point. So it's just going to be the norm to have batteries attached to your head, which has been much less common in the past. Exactly. To your head or maybe on your neck for the case of some other vendors. Um, the, where the batteries are sort of built into to the, the wire. To the wire that connects both, both ends, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Conveniently, that wire also allows you to have a single piece headphone instead of like the airpods where and you will, you might have to fish for three pieces of airpods like the left ear and the right airpod and and the uh, the container of the airpods right so having a wire can make your headphones uh, a one piece device but also interestingly if you think about it the neck is so fragile you don't want things exploding next to your neck. No, but you know the the mention of AirPods there. You don't want something exploding inside your ear either, <laughs> right? So Most definitely, that would be a horrible scenario. Speaking of AirPods, I uh, I lost an AirPod whilst in the Philippines. So, um, oh my, yeah, you should look after these things, people. Um, I obviously didn't look after mine uh, well enough. So, all ne- all three parts. No, just uh, just, just one, one of the side. AirPods. I was uh, I was on the phone talking to somebody, and then I was at I was at the airport. I think I was oh, I might have been uh, chatting to uh, uh, to you and Hank, and um, then uh, and then I I met somebody I had to catch up with, and we were taking some transport together. So I thought it'd be rude to keep chatting um while while i was uh with him and as we were headed headed off to the conference and so i'm guessing it could have been there while i was sort of just fumbling to get into the uh into the car and uh and put the airpods away or i'm not sure where else it could have happened but uh but disappointing anyway never mind that's that's one of the risks of these types of technologies now, in other news, we've uh, we've just heard actually uh, this evening that uh, WhatsApp, which is a really really common uh, messaging app right right around the world, as a as an alternative to um, you know te- text messaging, uh, a sort of a free alternative, and also you can do um, you can do calling through WhatsApp these days as well, right? Um, that there is is an issue uh, checkpoint security announced there's basically a new uh, attack against uh, whatsapp and all, also um, telegram which provides some um, some related encrypted messaging services uh, and basically by sending certain types of uh, images and and files um, 
the basically by sending those files, um, it allows an attacker to uh, hijack a user's account, which is pretty shocking when you when you think of it, because you really trust these applications, especially now that they're encrypted end to end, and we trust that uh, you know what WhatsApp, for instance, can no longer get at our data, but then somebody sending one of these dodgy messages can somehow. Uh, take over your account it's kind of crazy yes and that's especially concerning for me because that's the value proposition of something like telegram they're known for their encryption they're known for doing what's right for the user right i'd maybe feel it i'd maybe expect uh, something different from WhatsApp, wherein it's now so connected to the Facebook ecosystem, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, Facebook might be rolling out advertising services on WhatsApp, which is surprising because when Facebook announced the WhatsApp acquisition, WhatsApp founders were um, still reaffirming that they're maintaining the paid model rather than advertising based yeah yeah which they have dropped now so yeah it's um it's interesting times i guess we're going to continue seeing these sort of cyber security uh type types of issues and you know i imagine this is something that's going to be addressed fairly quickly but uh yeah it's not a it's not a it's not a it's not a great position to be in right now if you're really trusting uh these platforms for uh, for confidentiality now um there was another story um just just out today around um a company previously known as Grab Taxi they've shortened their name just to Grab um opening R&D research and development offices in India and Vietnam now most people in New Zealand probably haven't come across Grab because we don't have Grab in New Zealand but effectively they're in Asia here, they're a really strong competitor to Uber, aren't they? Right across uh, a lot of the region. They're not in China, although they've got a, um, a strategic partnership, I think, with um, Didi Chuxing in, um, in China. I don't know if I've got that pronunciation right, but, but they're a very big player, uh, certainly here in Philippines. They're huge in the Philippines and other Asian countries. And one of the reasons would be the fact that they accept cash payments, especially when um, on, on the earlier uh, uh, years of Uber, they were card only. In many economies like the Philippines, many people um, don't even have bank accounts, let alone credit cards. Yeah, so that that cash element absolutely absolutely a, a, a key in terms of the market share that they've been able to build here. Exactly, and I noticed that actually when I walked um, out of the arrivals uh, area at um, at the airport in Manila, that that was one of the first signs I saw was a grab sign. There was a taxi sign. I asked about Uber, and and the the policeman's just sort of pointed in in a particular direction, and I was a little <laughs> bit unclear. Um, and then I remember, well, usually you know, usually with Uber. Um, you know, you, you you just figure it out. There's sometimes there's a space at the airport, sometimes there's not. Often it's just a general pick up drop off area. Uh, but the Uber was no problem at all. I mean, the the vehicle was there within yeah maybe three three minutes from me clicking on the app, and then it told me that the driver was uh, was just finishing another journey, 
and sure enough, he pulled up right in front of me. It was the the Uber was full of people. They all climbed out. Um, he could see I was waiting there for him. He just sort of pulled into a into a a, a, a better car park, and then I loaded up and was in and and away. And it was a good journey. And for a half hour journey, I think it was all uh, probably under off the top of my head under 10 New Zealand dollars I could probably actually have a look in the app and get a handle on um, on what what that journey cost but it, it was a pretty seamless and easy experience um, so how how big do you think are the, the the respective market shares here is is uber not the number one player is that your your understanding in uh, in, in Philippines because of the the things you mentioned around payment my anecdotal information is it's more like 50-50. Yeah, okay. Personally, I'm on Uber all the time because I prefer not to uh, deal with cash and fish for change. Um, but uh, interestingly, Grab also now accepts credit cards. Yes. But after uh, getting used to Uber, I just became uh, more loyal. And another interesting thing about Grab is before the driver loads you up, they will actually pre-approve you um, and they would have your destination information. Yeah. So in many cases, because I live in an area where they wouldn't usually want to drive down south to my place because it's harder for them to load up with another passenger, many grab... Uh, taxi drivers wouldn't accept me. Oh, okay. Whereas in Uber, your transaction is invisible That's and they'll only show the location when I actually hop in. Right, yeah, yeah. That, and that's a, that's an interesting advantage of the model. So I've just looked up what was uh, about a half-hour journey and, and converted that into New Zealand dollars. I paid 188 uh, Philippines uh, pesos. Uh, that worked out about five dollars thirty-eight New Zealand for that half-hour journey. So, um, in, in terms of in terms of rates, it's um, it's certainly uh, pretty pretty competitive. In fact, here we go. It tells me the journey. Now I can't see there exactly how long it was, but it was um, certainly. It w- in fact, it was over half an hour. It was probably closer to forty minutes that journey. So that's um, that's. A pretty good value trip. Now um, Uber's been cutting a bit of uh, a bit of uh, flack for a, num- a number of things uh, in the US and and around the world, and we've had people deleting the Uber app. Has there been much coverage of that here in Philippines? We hear the global news all the time. I'm not sure if there are specific local concerns, but I'm hearing the same. Uh, news worldwide regarding deleting Uber due to a uh, number of reasons from, uh, I believe, uh, I think gender equality issues. Yeah, yeah. And another big reason was uh, Travis Kalanick's uh, perceived support uh for, uh, for, Trump. For, for Trump, yeah, right, yeah, and uh, another one which went really viral. I, I believe whether you're in New Zealand or the Philippines or anywhere, the video of Travis discussing with an Uber driver, 
And I believe that it was actually a bit taken out of context because many clips of that conversation only showed the part where Travis was really frustrated. But when I watched the entire thing, Travis started really calmly with the conversation. It was the driver who was managed really to wind him up. Exactly. You think, right? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's interesting. Now. We, there's a there's another company in the mix uh, here in the region called Gojek. Who are they? What do they do? So Gojek uh, is based in Indonesia, and in Indonesia, there's this popular means of public transport called Ojek. What's an Ojek? An Ojek is a motorcycle that's meant for public transport that meaning a guy is riding the motorcycle and then you're going to hop on uh, okay beside yeah. that guy uh, behind that guy right right so is that in a covered canopy behind with, Not with at seats all. or is it just basically on the motor on a mo- basically mo- motorcycle? just a motorcycle okay well wow. so jakarta I'm not sure when it comes to other cities in indonesia but it's very uh Motorcycles would be the default way of transport for um, most people, uh, similar to what you would experience in Vietnam, like in cities like Ho Chi Minh. So, uh, using motorcycles as public transport is also very normal, and that's kind of the little bit of uh, backstory behind Gojek and. Uh, as a competitor to Uber and Grab, these guys are gaining so much traction to the point that I believe they're now part of the billion dollar club. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's um, that's pretty interesting because you know, certainly in some markets, all we've got is Uber. And yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how things how things will develop and will whether we'll end up with uh, with a number of a number of players in markets like New Zealand, and of course Lyft seem to be going from strength to strength in the U.S. market. So um, it does does seem as though uh, you know Uber's once very strong uh, dominance uh, may not uh, may not play out as some would have uh, would have predicted. Curious. Now, um, Slack. Now, this I is love a, Slack. This is a. This is tell. Tell us about Slack. How would you describe Slack? Slack is basically modern IRC. It's basically turning uh, internet sort of relay chat was what IRC was for the for those that can't remember the term. <laughs> so, so it's a it's an online online chat tool, but I mean it, it's huge. In, in business for, um, you know, commonly for internal communications between team members, uh, but also you've got external groups and so on that you can, uh, you can use. You've got chat bots, right? There's, there's quite a lot, uh, um, a lot of scenarios in which you utilize it. Yeah, it's, it's almost an app store of its own right now. Yeah. Many businesses are founded to be Slack bots and, uh, Offline, you mentioned earlier that those Slack chatbots can easily pivot to other platforms, and you can observe that 
very much for the many tools that are built for even Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the news this week is that uh, Microsoft have, have got to a launch phase with their Microsoft Teams product, uh, which competes with, with Slack, and so that's been available in a, in a preview for a few months. Uh, interesting in their announcement, uh, it seems as though they're working really hard because they said uh, during that um, that preview phase that based on user feedback and, and I guess a lot of these things they were already working on, but it says they've launched a hundred new a uh, hundred new features over that time. Wow. Um, they've got mobile apps uh, available now, so I've ins- I've installed it on um, on on iOS uh, earlier. And uh, the, I guess, and you've also got Google coming into the space as well with a sort of a pivot on uh, on their on Google Hangouts. So this is really going to put a whole lot of pressure on uh, on Slack, uh, particularly noting that really at this stage it's still only a, a, a smaller percentage of organisations that have that have rolled out Slack, even though it, you know has a massive user base. And it was interesting how in the US, um, I think it was probably late last year now that. Uh, Slack put out a big sort of one-page ad welcoming Microsoft to the to the game, uh, a little bit like what what Apple uh, did when when IBM launched the uh, the IBM PC. Um, I'm not sure that was a good move on on Slack's part. We just you know we have more publicity to uh, to Microsoft, and you know looks looks here. You know my my pick is anyway that. Um, uh, Google and Microsoft are probably going to accelerate reasonably quickly into this the space because uh, they're making it available for uh, for free to uh, their their own user bases, right? Uh, those those using their commercial uh, products. So Office three six five users just instantly will have access to this and integrated with their existing tools and workflows. With their existing tools, that's right. And uh, you know, I, I fired up the. Um, uh, Microsoft Teams app, and you know, started a chat, uh, including at least one member who I think's not using um, Teams yet, but they were already in there because it's got the full uh, the full directory. And then you know, I'm picking they will get some sort of a ping via email or something to say they've got this message, and that's going to encourage them to to install the app. So I, I imagine for um, uh, adoption that will that'll probably move uh, move reasonably quickly. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to uh, to watch. Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes competition is good. Uh, in this case, because these products don't you know don't aren't designed at this stage to work together. Now there's sort of a fragmentation, which I imagine is actually going to be frustrating for uh, for some. If you already use Slack, but then your um, your organisation decides to standardise um, you know, on either Google or Microsoft, then you're going to end up having to run uh, you know a couple of these things as well. That's correct, and that's actually the reason why I love tools like Zapier and Ifttt. Yep. You can do automations from from within these platforms, right? Exactly. Automations and integrations. And I'm not sure if many of the listeners would be familiar with this product called Lead Pages. Uh, This is... uh, It's pretty popular with online marketers and bloggers and so on, right? That's correct. Yeah. They're very serious about integrations to the point that, according to the founder, at least during that time... They changed their name to Center. They have this new product. Uh, it used to be called Center.io. 
They're so serious about it that they bought the center.com domain. I wonder how much that would have cost. Yeah. But the idea is it's basically like Zapier for connecting all your digital marketing and sales tools. Right, right. And and Zapier is the integration piece that allows, you know, lots of online services to uh, to to talk to each other. Exactly. It's yeah. like the internet's plumbing. These products are super useful and powerful because they democratize the uh, building of new tools like Slack. It makes it it for a uh, possible for independent business people to build the next Slack or the next whatever kind of communication or productivity tool because they can integrate with other people's workflows. But without a reliable enough plumbing for the internet, whether it's through Zapier integrations or whatnot, then Google and Microsoft have this kind of advantage when it comes to integration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've got some we've got some interesting times ahead. Now, uh, good to catch up on a little bit of the news. We always like to do that on the New Zealand Tech Podcast each week. But I thought, hey, since, since we're here, it would be interesting to find out a little bit about uh, what is happening in, particularly in the Philippines, and and um, and as I guess we've talked about some some news stories that cross into that. Uh, but a, a little bit a, around the makeup of how things are here with your local telcos, pay TV, uh, mobiles, how how these things work, um, because you know I think sometimes we see our own country in in isolation, and w- you know we rate ourselves as as doing well or not doing well based on based on various various factors. So uh, maybe you can uh, you can share some insights into. Uh, mobile connectivity here so um, for me my main experience was that when I landed uh, in Cebu uh, last week there was a there was uh, a couple of counters selling well they they called them free sim cards uh, but you had to spend um, you know x hundred pesos to get some get some data on them Uh, and what I'm trying to think how much I spent maybe I spent Ooh, let me try and work try and work this 500 out. Five hundred pesos. Maybe yeah, maybe maybe um maybe in the yeah, maybe around um five hundred pesos, which would be about um uh, fifteen New Zealand dollars. And what that what that gave me was uh a a ten day plan with I think maybe unlimited texting a very small credit towards calling, so I'd need to spend a bit more if I wanted to do uh, calling. Um, but it was either 800 uh, megs or a gig worth of data a day, um, which is is in a reasonable contrast to what we would be what we would be spending in New Zealand. So, what's a typical plan? Like, what what would you spend? Um, um, a month. I think we did that calculation before, actually, and it worked out you're spending around or just under a dollar, one New Zealand dollar uh, a day. So I think it was about $29 uh, New Zealand a month. And what does that actually give you in terms of your mobile plan? Well, that gives me... So a consumer like me is all digital. I don't really SMS. I don't really make or take phone calls. 
my family um, always nags at me for being on do not disturb mode on my iPhone all the time. I didn't know I only discovered this recently. Apparently, all f- inbound phone calls would drop. Oh, wow. At least in the first try. They would have to call me twice for it to go through. Oh, so you you had do not disturb mode turned on without realizing it. No, I love it. I have it turned <laughs> okay, on. Okay, deliberately. What I didn't realize yep. So they've got to call a couple of times to, uh, exactly. to get through. Yeah. I didn't know that before. So I'm only focused on mobile data. So my 1,000 pesos, which is approximately one New Zealand dollar a day, gives me one gigabyte of data every single day. And then after that, my speed gets throttled down. And if I want to get it to a normal higher speeds, LTE speeds, I would have to spend approximately one US dollar. And that gives me one gigabyte and that's usable for three days. Okay, that's split over three days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think that's that's pretty competitive, and certainly, you know, in in New Zealand, our um, our, our plans don't give us uh, that much data for that sort of price. Um, in terms of the speeds here, what do you know? What typical the typical speed is that you're getting over that mobile internet? I mean, it seems seems to be pretty snappy to me. I didn't have too many problems with it. It seemed to depend where you were. Sometimes I found I'd slip into a three G area, um, but I have pretty much seen LTE uh, just about everywhere I've been since I've been in uh, in Manila. You, you generally find you get LTE in most places. Most of the time, approximately yeah. eighty plus percent. And if I do a speed test dot net or open signal, my LTE speeds would be uh, approximately like five megabytes. Five with, megabits a second, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well. I'm just having a look now, and I've got a particularly. I've only got one bar on LTE, and that's the. the I mean, that's unusual. Most of the time, when I've been testing it, I've had um, two plus bars, and and in fact, most of the time, it's um, you know, it's sort of four or five bars. So, uh, just doing a quick test there on that, and I'm getting um, uh, three megabits down, and. Um, about two two megabits up. So, oh no, it's just bounced up to uh, sev- seven uh, or eight mega megabits up. So, um, still so it's counting. A, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I mean, overall, it's been it's been acceptable. The sorts of things I've needed to do from my mobile device, uh, in terms of YouTube and so on, I did some tethering over it as well. Um, and yeah, pretty uh, pretty handy because I found that the Wi-Fi. Uh, the hotel I was at was somewhat disastrous. It kept dropping in and out. They were having to send a technician down to uh, reset bits of their network, and they came in with a replacement uh, Wi-Fi unit into uh, into my hotel room at one stage. Uh, so maybe the demand here in the hotels or the expectations around Wi-Fi uh, varies. Maybe that's more in the touristy spots where, where my hotel was. Um, but uh, certainly, what we've got here in the um, uh, apartment I'm staying at, the um, the connection seems you know seems absolutely fine. Seems to uh, um, yeah be 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 quite uh, stable. Um, it's a DSL connection, uh, I believe. Looking at it, um, so 
it's not uh, not not super fast, but it's certainly um, um, yeah fine for what 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 my uh, needs are at this stage. Uh, it's around a yeah, a ten megabit connection. So um, now you also as well as DSL, which seems to be the the most predominant uh, internet connection here. Uh, it seems like fibers becoming you know more broadly available all the time into more and more locations. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when we had a look, it seemed like the plans sort of vary from the the lower end plans at around uh, fifty New Zealand dollars a month up to for a, a gigabit connection. And most of the connections aren't unlimited, but a gigabit connection with uh, with something like one and a half or two terabytes worth of uh, uh, data. Uh, that was about in the direction of twice as much as what it costs in New Zealand if you really want those top speeds. Uh, but in terms of the lower speeds, a lot more competitive in terms of uh, pricing. That was coming in around 280 New Zealand dollars. Um, but um, reality is most people probably don't need, uh, don't need gigabit, uh, gigabit speed in their home, although some of us quite like to, uh, quite like to have it. For context, I run my business on my laptop and most of the time I would be working at a cafe and just tethered to my LTE. Right. And so, or cafe Wi-Fi as well, or you just use your LTE and it's absolutely fine for your requirements. Whenever the cafe Wi-Fi is available, I'm using this app called Speedify. Ah. It bonds Puts multiple the two together. That's yes. great. Okay. Yeah. So you take best of both worlds. Exactly. And maybe that's just me being greedy because earlier before I met up with Paul, I was working purely off of my LTE. And interestingly, because I have a one gigabyte limit per day up to now and uh, we're already at 10 p.m., my my daily limit hasn't been consumed. So yeah. if you think about it, uh, I'm just being greedy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one thing I found was uh, when I did go through my limit and I didn't have any credit left on the account, um, so I, I was expecting the connection just to get throttled right down. I didn't even notice the, the throttling that, uh, that occurred uh, on, the, on the once or twice where that, uh, that happened. So I don't know, maybe I just got lucky. Uh, but it seemed like things were still running okay, and they sent me a message saying that they could throttle me, but I didn't actually notice it, even though I'd actually blown blown through the limit, which, yeah, I was sort of quietly impressed about, actually, because usually when you get throttled on an internet connection, uh, in, in a lot of places, the throttling really slows you right down <laughs> to make it to make it uh, barely usable. So I thought, uh, yeah, that's um, that's quite nice. Uh, for for those here, um, obviously it's quite a different economy to New Zealand, so there are, there are certainly a bunch of reasons why things need to be uh, you know need to be more uh, competitively priced. Uh, now, in in New Zealand, uh, you know we have uh, Spark and Vodafone being the the, the two uh, big telcos, uh, the two big players. Seems like you've got a, a somewhat similar scenario here with two big players, Globe and and smart they seem to own a pretty big uh, share of the market b- between them right that's correct almost 50-50 right wow so that's um that's pretty huge now on the pay tv front there's uh there's sky cable who are um independent but uh, they're delivering they're delivering pay tv over um over a cable tv type connection uh there's also signal who are owned by one of those telcos is that right yes yeah, by smart 
Yeah, and I mean, in New Zealand, we've we've just been uh, through this thing where one of the telcos and uh, our our predominant uh, pay TV provider Sky were were looking to merge, and that uh, that was that was declined uh, by our um, uh, competition uh, body by uh, by the Commerce Commission. Do you do you have any issues here? I guess you've got to, two pay TV firms, so does that keep uh, keep things somewhat competitive? It's not uh, it's not it's not too much of a um, an issue in terms of the prices that people pay for pay TV here. Not so much of an issue, and interestingly, I don't I personally don't see much buzz regarding pay TV. What about Netflix? Is that is that uh, happening here what what have you got in terms of online streaming that's common or is it just mostly piracy both both networks have their own uh, netflix alternatives smart invested heavily in this player called iflix globe invested heavily in this player called hook h-double-o-q and uh those two players were spending uh they're marketing budgets much more heavily before when Netflix wasn't already available. But Netflix, since going global, they're also now available for the Philippine market and also at an accessible price. My understanding is approximately 10 US dollars a month, which is similar to what you'd pay for Spotify. Oh, but Spotify has a pretty good regional pricing. Okay. We pay we pay only approximately one hundred and thirty pesos, so that will be how much New Zealand dollars. Um, that would be yeah, I think under under five New Zealand dollars a month. So that's uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty uh, pretty good price. And how much do you pay for Spotify in New Zealand? Do they have regional pricing or similar to the U.S. price? Uh, more similar to the U.S. price. Yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah, that's under four New Zealand dollars at your pricing here. It's so. a bargain. Yeah, that's uh, that that's that's pretty sharp. That's pretty cool. Um, great. Now, what else? I was thinking there were a couple of other things we should uh, uh, chat about. The tech startup community, incubators, and um, co-working spaces—that's uh, you know something we're seeing. You know, all of those things are uh, are reasonably um, well been growing in New Zealand. There's um, you know varying uh, places that are uh, helping to sort of facilitate the startup communities. You know, a number of. Uh, uh, incubators that exist and and the idea of co-working spaces has has become um, you know a lot more common over the last couple of years. There's a num- number of um, uh, number of places where where that that happens. In fact, you know, lots and lots of options. And and of course, you can you can also do what you know what you do in terms of working in cafes a lot. <laughs> um, what what's happening here and uh, particularly in in Manila from those perspectives. Both telcos support the startup ecosystem. They uh, both have their uh, own incubators. So they both fund and provide other types of synergistic support since both companies are so involved in many different industries. They are large conglomerates. Like 
one telco would own the tollways for the highways. Oh, okay, yep. Uh, another telco owns much of the uh, many of the malls that we pass by today. Oh, the malls. Yeah. Wow, owned by and, telco. And, and another telco, one of those two telcos, by the way, also just bought significant share in this e-commerce company called Zalora. Okay. Zalora, for context, um, some of your listeners might be familiar uh, with Zalora because it's present in in many countries. It was originally uh, created by this company called Rocket Internet. It's a startup factory. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. Um, So um, the situation with Zalora, similar to their other uh, startup called Lazada, both from Rocket Internet, is they would create e-commerce properties in many countries that are maybe sort of similar to Amazon or Zappos. Okay. So um, one of the telcos... online retailers. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Just uh, this uh, online retailer called Zalora... um, the uh, the owner behind one of the telcos just bought significant share in Zalora. Okay. So there is a lot of synergy between the telcos, infrastructure, and a lot of startups. They, they have their own uh, startup players as well that are born um, homegrown. Interesting. Yeah. And um, and this idea of co-working spaces, that's becoming uh, that's becoming pretty popular here too, isn't it? That's a great point because um, I don't know if your listeners are so familiar with this whole digital nomad movement where a lot of people are working on the road. This is popular in the Philippines as well, not as much in Manila because these people tend to prefer beaches. So they would be in the south of the country or somewhere like Boracay, uh, there's some in Cebu as well. So to take advantage of this economy, uh, there are more and more co-working spaces popping up, but not as much in Manila. Right, right. So, yeah, especially in the, so sort of some lifestyle choices there, right? In terms of you know being being uh, being in some of the the, the beachy uh, um, locations, holiday locations, and also uh, running their business in those places. Yeah, holiday locations. Great lifestyle, lower costs of operation, while still accessing the same opportunities that everyone has due to the internet. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I think that's that's probably just about it on on our list. Oh, there was one other um, um, company we had a chat about early uh, earlier, um, Pioneer. Now, there's something a, a, a little bit like PayPal. There's sort of a um, an online payments provider. Um, that are that that are, are quite large uh, locally. I think originally started in the in the US, um, and they also one of the things is they they offer a debit card. So for uh, for the transactions, what can you tell us about uh, about Pioneer? What's their role? Because here in the Philippines, a lot of your workforce is sort of based outside of the country, right? And so they're having to move, uh, you know, money around and in, into the country. I guess like uh, um, we, we see a bit of that in New Zealand, where we have uh, have workers from elsewhere in the world. They'll they'll earn a living in New Zealand and then send a lot of that money back home 
to support their family. Is that partly where Pioneer comes into the picture here? Not so much. It's in the other. Uh, uh, it's on the other side. Pioneer is more for business owners and freelancers who are getting paid by foreign clients. Yeah. Okay. And this enables them to have, I believe, a debit Mastercard. Right. Right. So they can make these transactions without necessarily connecting their bank accounts, or maybe for many of these freelancers, they don't even have like the typical bank account setup. Okay. So yep, Payoneer yep. allows them to get paid and to transact online. But the uh, there's a very different topic of what you mentioned earlier, sending money back home. And the uh, jargon, the lingo for that is remittance. Okay, okay. So how does that, how does that tend to happen then? Remittance happens. Um, I used to live in Singapore where many other Filipinos are based there as well, sending money back home. And there are sort of Filipino towns, just like Chinatowns. It's like little Manila. Yeah, okay. You go to these areas and maybe you'll enjoy your Jollibee. It's our own version of McDonald's. Yeah. The, the one place in the world where McDonald's is not number one. Um, so you can go to your Filipino town, enjoy your Jollibee, and then after having lunch... You can send money back home through these uh, remittance centers. Okay. Huge business. They might be selling you Filipino chips and uh, like the the uh, the junk food snacks. Sure. But after that, you're gonna send money back home or send a big like what they call the balik bayan boxes to send a shipment back home. But a very popular transaction is sending money. And there are many small independent remittance service providers. Um, But at the same time, Bitcoin is participating very much in this economy. Oh, that's fascinating. So, so that's becoming um, one of the one of the uh, things making Bitcoin a bit more mainstream here in Philippines. Then, very much. Yeah. Okay. That that makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And right, it's a, it's uh, going to save on all sorts of uh, overheads and and fees and uh, maybe taxes and so on as well if it's hidden. So there's some interesting aspects to that. That's true. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fascinating. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for this episode. So, um, Alan, for uh, if listeners are uh, curious a, a bit more about what you do, where do they where do they track you down online? You can find me on Twitter. It's um my handle is Alan Kaeg. That's A double L A N C A E G. And you can see what I'm up to at NorthStories.io. NorthStories.io. That's your uh, your content marketing business, yeah? Exactly. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, uh, for listening in uh, to this episode. We'll be back again uh, next week in our usual, uh, uh, usual time frame. So sorry, running, uh, running about a, a, a day behind um this this week so apologies uh for that but i've been uh, tied up in a, in a conference um and also be sure to uh, to check out we've got uh two new podcasts uh launching next week uh first up on uh, on monday uh we have stupid questions for scientists which is hosted by uh, uh 
uh, Nano Girl, Dr. Michelle Dickinson. Uh, so you can uh, you can find that online and uh, and sign up to get uh, to get that. Uh, also, we have the Social Media Strategy Podcast. Um, both of those you can find at World Podcasts. Com. All right, well, that's us. Thanks, everyone. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.